Uh, This morning's sermon is going to be based on a song written by the birds in 1965 called Turn, Turn, Turn. Uh, Or maybe it's the other way around. Um, Indeed, um, a folk singer, a relatively unknown folk singer named Pete Seeger, uh, wrote a song based on today's passage, Ecclesiastes 3. It's called Turn, 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 but it didn't become famous until the birds uh, redid the song in uh, about 1965. And um, amazingly, the, um, Pete Seeger only added uh, two lines, uh, turn, 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 and then at the end, um, I think it's, um, uh, and let there be peace, you know, something like that, I forget. Uh, oh, I swear it's not too late, uh, referring to peace. So, and it's been, um, uh, that song was iconic throughout the 60s, uh, basically because of that, that last line. You know, I swear um, it's not too late for peace. And I, I watched an interview with uh, Pete Seeger later on in life, and they asked him about that song, and he said, you know, this, this poem, he said, is something worth considering. And, and, and it's true. He, he said that the world is full of opposites that are intertangled and that the words of the poem have different meanings, uh, which is true. Everything he said is true. And then he grabbed his chin, and he he kind of looked off camera, and he said, you know, God only knows. God only knows, which is also true. (laughs) Uh, So I'll, I'll read the verses, and then we'll pray. Uh, This will be Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 13. For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away, a time to tear, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceived that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. Praise God for his word. Lord, again we thank you for your word. Your word gives us life. Your word reveals to us who you are, Lord. And we thank you, Lord. We pray that you would draw us closer to you this morning as we we read and discern your word, Lord. Thank you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So Solomon begins his poem by stating that for everything there is a season and a time for everything under heaven. And, and, and just as um, Pete Seeger says, you know, God knows that, of course, because God is the one who established the seasons. Amen? He's the one who established the seasons, and he's also established and ordained that there is a time for everything under heaven. And, you know, everything above heaven, everything below heaven, and everything in between and all around heaven. God has ordained a time for everything. And as we know by now, Solomon is a determined and skilled observer of the world around him, especially the world under heaven or under sun, as he often says. However, you know, a person doesn't need much skill or wisdom or knowledge uh, to observe that there are certain patterns in nature and in human life specifically. And within these patterns, there are times for certain things, and some of which we have no control over. Earlier in Ecclesiastes, Solomon noted that life is fleeting, life is unreliable, and at times life is incomprehensible, especially when God is left out of the picture. And last week we saw how Solomon determined that the true meaning of the true meaning that true meaning and joy only come from God. So finally we had a happy note there. And in Solomon three, Solomon considers the, the vast range of life's activities and events and says that all of them are under God's sovereign ordering and control. As a reminder, Psalm 31.15 says, My times are in your hands, referring to God. And Proverbs 16.9 says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. So in verses 2-8, through Solomon lifts specifically the activities for which there is a time and a season. Now the word time here, uh, used here in verse 1, denotes a fixed or appointed time. Appointed by someone, or fixed by someone, and that would be God. So that's the idea behind the, the Hebrew word of the use time here. So Solomon is implying that, that God has ordained that each of us experience these things in their fixed and appointed time. In other words, we're not just wandering about through our experiences of life at the mercy of, of random chance, uh, as some would say, but, but rather we're living according to the purposeful plan of a God who loves and cares for us. Amen? And, and as I mentioned, Solomon goes on to list specifically the activities for which there is a time and a season. These are the things of life. Uh, you, you could say that this is all of life summarized in, in this poem. And, and again, uh, it is a poem, uh, so there's, there's, there's room, a little bit of room for interpretation here uh, as to what the exact meanings are. He gives 14 pairs of contrasts grouped into seven pairs of two. I mention that because in the Bible, the number seven often symbolizes completeness. And so here, as some have suggested, we have in these seven pairs of activities all of life summarized uh, completely. Uh, for example, you can look at your own life. Uh, as we go through these verses, you'll notice 
that most of us are engaged in two, three, uh, even four, uh, maybe even more of these activities, uh, even now at the same time. In, in this list, uh, Solomon begins appropriately with life and death. Uh, which are the overriding activities of our existence. He says, a time to be born and a time to die. And it's no coincidence that Solomon starts his list with there is a time to be born and a time to die. Uh, Scripture repeatedly affirms uh, that God is sovereign over life and death. Uh, You can't choose the time of your birth and you can't predict the time of your death. God determines both. Uh, But Solomon also starts with birth and death because everything else that follows in the poem are activities that obviously, or or events that occur within the lifespan uh, of the typical uh, human being. So all of the activities are between the time one is born and the time one dies. And, And Solomon is observing that humans have a limited time on earth too. But rather than despair over our limited time, as he does elsewhere in Ecclesiastes, over our limited time under heaven, uh, Solomon will acknowledge and conclude in verse 13 uh, that our time here is God's gift to man. Uh, Whether weeping or laughing or or mourning or dancing, whether seeking or, or losing, Our time under heaven is God's gift for man. And not only is our time a gift from God, a gift of His grace, God is also sovereign over our time. God is in control. David says, speaking to God, he says, All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Psalm 139.16 And Job Job says, man's days are determined. You, God, you have decreed the number of his months and have set limits he cannot exceed. And so, again, indeed, God, our times are in God's hands. And, and most of what follows in the poem doesn't really need much interpretation. So I'm just going to make a few comments. So we already talked about a time to be born and a time to die. Uh, A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. Well, that was a largely agrarian society. So, uh, but you know, farmers around here know what that means. Uh, If you're not a farmer, we could very well say there's a time to punch in and a time to punch out. Um, You know, there's a time to kill and a time to heal. Uh, I just want to point out the word here for kill is not the same word as used in the Ten Commandments for murder. It's referring to you know, God-ordained capital punishment or, or self-defense or, or the type of killing that God allowed uh, in the Old Testament and, and even today. Uh, a time to break down and a time to build up. I mean, this could mean... Uh, this could refer both to building projects or, or relationships even. Uh, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. I mean, all of us in this fallen world, we, we go through times of sadness. Uh, however, we all thankfully enjoy times of gladness as well. 
Uh, Solomon might be suggesting uh, here that these times of sadness and happiness come in degrees. Uh, in other words, at times we weep, uh, but in times of great sadness we mourn. And at times we laugh, but in times of great joy we dance. So he might be referring to degrees of these things here. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. Uh, this could refer to the, the clearing out of a field, uh, getting ready uh, to farm, but then using them to build a wall around the field. Uh, that, that, that could be what he's talking about here. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Uh, we know that there are appropriate times to express love. And there are definitely times to have uh, self-control and, and to realize that there is a time to refrain uh, from embracing. Uh, I couldn't help but think of my friend Frank. Uh, we, uh, Ellen and I have a dear friend Frank um, that we've known for many years. And um, I, had, I hadn't been in contact with him for a long time and, and I ran into him at the grocery store. And when he saw me from afar, he walked up to me like, Thomas! And, and he, I mean, this is right in front of the store with, you know, a million people around. He just grabbed a hold of me and hugged me and just wouldn't let go. And he says, tears are coming down his eyes. And I'm thinking, okay, Frank, you can let go now. You can let go. I mean, I'm not a big hugger. But uh, he, he was so happy to see me. This is Frank. He's a hugger. He was so happy to see me. He just hugged me. And he's thinking it's a time for an embrace. And I'm thinking after about a minute, it's a time to, you know, unembrace. <laughs> a, a time for uh, refrain from embracing. But we love Frank. Frank's awesome. Uh, it goes on, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away. Uh, another version says a time to search and a time to give up. Uh, this could apply to both physical and spiritual things. Uh, we seem to have a much easier time of searching for and, and acquiring things um, that, that uh, being content, rather than being content with what we have or, or giving up what we have. We, we have a much easier time of, um, of seeking and keeping things. And, and spiritually, we have a tendency to seek for answers from everything but God. I mean, that's what, partly what Ecclesiastes is about. Is uh, Solomon seeking after things, um, seeking answers from everything but God. So we search and we search. But on the other hand, uh, we want to cling to and, and we want to not give up or lose those things wh which do us harm, uh, both physically and spiritually. I mean, we cling to sin. Uh, we, we, we cling to past hurts and bitterness. We cling to regrets. And we cling to guilt. And, um, you know, perhaps a God has aimed for you today to, um, to give up some of those things that we're, we're clinging to. Uh, or to cast away the, these past hurts, these guilts, these regret, regrets that we have. And then he says, it's a time to tear and a time to sow. This could be referring to the Jewish practice of of tearing one's garments uh, during a time of grief or, or repentance. And then a time to keep silence and a time to speak. 
I mean, it takes a lot of wisdom and discernment to, to know when as well as what to speak, but also uh, when not to speak. And I'm, I'm guilty of that. Uh, many of us, uh, it seems, have problems of knowing when to keep silent. Uh, then again, we also have to take care of certain circumstances when we shouldn't keep silent. As if we you know, saw a friend in sin um, and that's hurting them and others, uh, there's a time when we shouldn't keep silent. And I would say that this especially applies uh, to a church family. And then there's a time to love and a time to hate. Uh, many people have difficulty associating a God and Christian living with you know, the word hate, and, and they prefer to focus on love exclusively. Uh, for the Christian, uh, this hatred uh, should not be a, a hatred felt towards others uh, or towards individuals, uh, but it should be expressed as a hatred towards sinful behavior or sinful actions. Uh, we, as God's people, should hate sin. Uh, the psalmist tells us in, in Psalm 97.10, let those who love the Lord hate evil. Yes, the word hate is, is in the Bible. Even Jesus spoke of hate uh, when he spoke of the cost of being a disciple. Uh, these are shocking words. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Luke fourteen twenty six. And Jesus also said, uh, John 12, 25, whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life uh, in this world will keep it for eternal life. Now, Jesus' point is that followers uh, need to love him more than anything else, even if it requires great sacrifice. And, and of course, he's our example of, of great sacrifice. And the poem ends with a time for war and a time for peace. And, and the, these last two, um, two pairs uh, of love and hate, war and peace, they, they contrast the extremes of, of individual uh, human emotion, but also the extremes of public human emotion. Uh, Chuck Swindoll says of this verse, he says, life seems strangely fixed between a battlefield and a first aid station. So, as we've just seen from this list, Solomon includes in each line a contrast, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to love, a time to hate, etc. And now, uh, as, as we move on, he seems to have contrasting responses uh, to these observations. In verse 9, he asks, what gain has the worker from his toil? And he says in verse 10, I have seen the business, or your version might say burden, I have seen the business or burden that God has given to the children of man to be busy, busy with. Here Solomon gives his human under the sun perspective. Uh, this, this echoes what he said earlier in uh, 1.3. Solomon uh, writes this, uh, what, what has been an enduring poem. And it's a uh, perceptive poem. So on the one hand, he sees a lack of control and, and no profit or gain in these things. He, he sees man's limited time on earth. 
and, and, and it seems like every positive thing, every positive good thing seems to be offset by something negative. But on the other hand, he sees God from a different perspective because he says in verse 11, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Uh, the, another word for beautiful, or the, the concept here is complete. So those words are used interchangeably here. He has made everything beautiful and complete in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. So God has made everything beautiful in its time. God has put eternity into man's heart. And man can't find out uh, what God has done from the beginning to the end. So Solomon expresses uh, a number of things here. He says God makes life beautiful. He says God makes life interesting. But God also makes life mysterious. When, when Solomon says that God has made everything beautiful in its time, he, he's affirming that God has beautifully or orchestrated everything to occur at precisely the right moment. And we don't understand that. That's, that's where the mystery lies. But we can take great comfort from the fact that our times are in God's hands. It's not just fate, amen? Our times are in God's hands. And also, that there is a time for everything. I mean, you might be going through a hard time now, um, but that will change. A weeping will turn to laughter. A mourning will eventually turn to dancing. And tearing will turn to mending at some point. And, and God's in charge of all of it. And then when, when Solomon says that God has put eternity into man's heart, he's saying that God has given men reasoning abilities far beyond those of any other of his creatures uh, that he's made. It, it means that God has given, us, uh, given to us a sense of eternity, a, a sense of thinking and imagining beyond ourselves, beyond our own short lives, our relatively short lives. And it also means that man desires this eternal life. It means that man has a desire to understand God's entire plan or program. Can anybody relate to that? You know, God, what are you doing here? I, I don't understand. What, you know, what are you up to? And, and this is why man has pursued science and philosophy as well as theology. Uh, wanting to know about the world that we live in, wanting to know about ideas, but also wanting to know about God. And we have been gifted with a desire to understand all of creation. And it also means that man has a hunger for God himself. Uh, C.S. Lewis wrote, Our Heavenly Father has provided many delightful inns for us along our journey. But he takes care to see that we do not mistake any of them for home. So in other words, there's, there's a path that we go to and, and God allows us in these inns, but he's not going to allow us to mistake any of them for home. That's, that's in the future for us. However, man's desire to understand all of creation 
and God's purposes within his creation ultimately is a mystery. Uh, God has only revealed so much to us. Uh, he's, he's revealed absolutely everything we need to know, but he hasn't revealed everything we want to know. Uh, even the apostles were aware of this. And, and we're, we're told that it's for our own good. Scripture says it's for our own good. In that respect, it's a mystery. I mean, Job said, I mean, God said to Job in, in chapter 11, can you find out the deep things of God? Can you find out the limit of the Almighty? It is higher than heaven. What can you do? Deeper than show. What can you know? Its measure is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. So he's expressing these mysteries of God. And finally, uh, God makes life joyful. In verses 12 to 13, Solomon says, I perceive that there is nothing better for them, mankind, us, than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. So that this conclusion is very similar to last week's conclusion. And I believe it or not, um, Solomon concludes this about five times in Ecclesiastes. He comes to this conclusion. Except this time he adds, be joyful and to do good. I mean, a, a few verses ago in chapter 2, he said, and who can eat or enjoy anything apart from God? Who can eat or enjoy anything apart from God, Solomon said. I mean, it's a good question. And Solomon answers the answer. I mean, he gives the answer. He says, well, no one can eat or enjoy anything apart from God. So Solomon began this poem by stating that for everything there is a season and a time uh, for every matter under heaven. And he goes on to mention in these verses time 30 times. So 30 times he mentions time in these verses. Uh, it, it, time is a gift from God. Uh, the giver of time is God himself. And, and time is also a gift of grace. Even though we have little time here on earth, you know, obviously compared to eternity, God has given us enough time to know Him. Amen? Uh, and He's given us enough time to enjoy Him and also to experience joy. And that's because in the fullness of time, God sent His Son Jesus as the promised Messiah Savior. Um, we, we, we sung that earlier. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. The Lord is come. In the fullness of time, God sent his son Jesus. And Solomon reminded us that there is a time to be born and a time to die and the time in between is limited. In God's grace, He has given us this life. In God's grace, He has given us the opportunity to have life eternal in His presence. In 2 Corinthians, Paul appeals to his readers. He says, 
We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And he goes on and he pleads, Behold, now is the favorable, favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. Or now is the time of salvation. Hebrews 10.27 says, And just as is appointed for man to die once, after that comes judgment. And so it is with us. So it is with you. If you haven't received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there will be a time for judgment. And we only have a limited amount of time here on earth. And somewhat soberly, you need to know one more thing about time. There was a time when the Lord shut the doors to the ark and the flood swept everyone outside away. There was a time for that. We read about that in Genesis 7. And there also came a time when the wedding party began and those who were not ready for the coming of the bridegroom, Christ, they were locked out. There was a time for that, Matthew 25. And my, my um, um, suggestion to you is, is, is don't get locked out. Joy awaits. And we can praise God for that. He has provided a way for us to not get locked out through His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You that there is joy that comes in the morning. Lord, even though there are trials in the evening, Lord, and we know that ultimately joy comes through You through salvation through Your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord. And it is to Him we turn, and no one else, by no other means, Lord, that we turn to Him for our salvation, Lord. Lord, You only require belief. You only require faith and trust, Lord, in Your Son, Lord. And help us today with that. Anyone here who does not know You, Lord, I pray that today would be the day. Today would be the time of salvation for that person, Lord. Lord, we thank You. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.